I'm Joe Kane. I'm Dan Kane. I'm Sal Conca. And I'm Wayne Heckler. And this is the Imperfect Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at hecklercane.com and download our episodes on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud. To the bumper. So today we have Juliet Miranda from the Unwritable Rant, and she wrote the book Morning Neurosis. Yeah, she's been a great friend of ours um, through the Pottern family, which all of these podcasts that we network with um, help each other out and support each other. So we thought it'd be a great idea to bring her on, talk about her book, talk about all the great people she's interviewed. She's interviewed um, Eric Roberts and Ed Begley Jr. Right. Yeah, she interviewed Charlie Daniels, and she was in the music industry. She moved out to L.A. for a long time, and then she just wrote a book basically telling all the tales of love and rock and roll and all these, like, basically jackasses. "Quote unquote," she dated. Yeah, um, and she's got a new book coming out. She's got a lot going on for her. Exactly. We're excited. Exactly, it's going to be awesome. Can't wait to talk to her. And uh, here she is, Juliet Miranda. Hey, Juliet, welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. Hey, y'all, how's it going? We're doing just fine. No, Juliet uh, has a podcast called Morning uh, the Unwritable Rant, and she reviews bourbon every week on her episode. So why don't you give the folks a little? We can give a teaser here for them. What? What? How do you tell us? Describe that bourbon you're you're tasting right now. All right. Well, first, gotta take a sip. So hold, please. <laughs> All right. This is a genius bourbon. It truly is. This is Russell's Russell's Reserve Ten Year. Uh, it's got this really sort of smoky flavor to it. A little bit of vanilla. Uh, it's so smooth. And it's from the wild turkey family, which is a little bit surprising because I don't necessarily associate, you know, really high quality bourbons with wild turkey. But this stuff, so good. Aged 10 years and is just so smooth and awesome. <laughs> nice. Very nice. good. We'll have to all give, give that one a shot. Sounds like you've done that before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a few times. <laughs> well, what, you, look, let's start this out. We're going to raise our glasses. We have some wine here that we're sipping. So we're going to all raise our glasses to you and um, oh. and to a great job that you've been doing on the Unwritable Rant. We've all been listening and enjoying profusely. And uh, thank you for that little intro that you, uh, your traditional inf- inf- uh, your traditional inf- intro. Joe drank too much already. <laughs> yeah, you got to cut work. the wine out, Joe, all right? <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers, Juliet. Cheers. <laughs> Juliet is an eloquent writer, by the way. You know, um, I read some of your essays online. I'm very impressed. I love it. Yeah. Oh, why, thank you. You're so descriptive. Your, your words speaking about New Orleans and in the driveway. I'm checking. I'm like, wow, she's good. I like it. Yeah, so let's... Well, yeah. <laughs> let's Writing get... is just a, a big passion of mine. You know, Hemingway, Scott Fitzgerald, those are, those are my idols. When did you start writing? I've been writing since birth, I think. Uh-huh. It's always just been a part of my life, you know, whether I was journaling or, you know, telling stories to friends. It's just something that I've been doing forever. You came out with a pen in your hand. I did pretty much, yeah. Yeah, a little stabby, too, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> now, give us the journey to Morning Neurosis, right? Because that was, that was a big deal for you. That's your first published book. Um, tell us the story of that and how it went. I mean, it's, it's a partly true story, correct? It is, yeah. It's based on my experiences living in Los Angeles, working in the music industry, and then kind of the the course of events that led me back to Chicago to sort of reinvent myself. Uh, I say they're mostly true stories because, you know, I change a few of the details here and there just to make sure that it makes sense. But for the most part, these are all things that have happened to me. So it's kind of like my podcast in book form. 
Yeah. And is that, have you used your book, I guess, for inspiration for episodes, correct? I mean, is it basically, are you breaking down chapters of your book, so to speak, for episodes of the podcast or? Oh, no, no, no. not at all. I actually, um, I'm, some of the characters in the book have appeared in other stories on the podcast, but the book stands alone. Uh, those, I, I wouldn't want to repeat the stories just, you know, for people who've, you know, bought the book or who want to buy the book. So I, I, I like to keep separation there. Yeah, that's cool. So, you were out in L.A. in the music industry. How old? Well, you don't have to give your age. So how, how, what? give us a year, though. Like, what year were you out in L.A.? So we can get a reference for musical uh, interpretation. I can tell you that hair bands were having a moment. Nice. Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay. So fair enough. And what were, you, what were you doing? Were you out there trying to be a performer? Were you out there just working at a label? What, what was the journey out in L.A.? I was doing a little bit of everything. I went out there assuming I was going to be the next big thing on MTV, and that never really happened. But, you know, as a writer, I was able to find tons of gigs, you know, writing rock reviews for magazines. And then I wound up doing publicity for a couple different record labels, you know, all sorts of things here and there. You know, I did PA jobs and TV, um, whatever I could get my hands on to do, I tried. Um, but ultimately, you know, after like, I think I was there for seven ish years. I'd been laid off from like seven different jobs and I kind of hit a wall where, you know, nothing was working out for me. So that's what brought me back to Chicago was that I had opportunities out here that I didn't have in L.A. Cool. So is there like a hidden footage tape of you auditioning to be an MTV VJ? There are a lot of videos. I do. Um, I do occasional um, commercial work out of Chicago. So okay. if you're watching late night TV, you can actually see me in some random national spots. Oh, well, I come to Chicago once a year, at least I usually come out for Lala or Lollapalooza or Riot Fest. So I'm always oh, there. Sure. So I'm usually there pretty late night. I'm going to have to keep an eye out on the boob tube next time. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, no, one day you'll be watching, you know, late night cable at two o'clock in the morning. You'll be like, I know that shit. Is that before or after the total gym commercial <laughs> with Chuck Norris and Christy Brinkley? <laughs> so where were you born with a pen? No, I was actually born in Chicago, right out uh, in the South Suburbans, uh, South Suburbs. Oh, Chicago was a journey home. I thought you were a Southern gal. You know what? Everybody thinks that uh, I say the closest that I've come is the south side of the Burbs. But we spend so much time in the south. I mean, I practically lived in New Orleans for a while. You know, we're in Nashville a couple months out of every year. So it's it's a place that I'm very, very familiar with. Well, you have a certain southern charm to you, which is very oh. beautiful and very awesome. Um, and just getting back to your, your podcast, the intro to the podcast always has that Southern sort of New Orleans mm. feel to it with the music that's in the beginning. And I love that. Yeah. What oh, tune is, thank you. what tune is that? Uh, you know, I, I wish I could tell you his name. I'm going to have to get that back to you because he's just, he's an independent artist. In fact, I don't even think he's performing anymore. Oh, wow. Um, I, he had one album up. I'm going to have to look for it because he just, that one particular song just is so New Orleans and it really kind of sets up the vibe for the show, you know, just kick back and, you know, ease into this, this great conversation kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what drew us into listening to it. I mean, every episode just kind of starts with, um, you know, that feel and everybody grab a glass and, and, you know, right. get the bourbon going. It's got and a guitar and trombone blasting away on a New Orleans yes. feel and I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just fall in line. I've yet to be, get to New Orleans. I don't know if any of you guys have. No. Um, I, I'm dying to get some beignets and crawfish, though. That's, that's oh, yes. you know. <laughs> I would kill for some gumbo right about now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard your cooking uh, um, 
you're cooking a journey, <laughs> I'll say, on your podcast. You've, you've spoken about cooking multiple times. The, the flambe episode was one of my favorites where you, uh, you know, attempted to light the kitchen on fire. So... <laughs> <laughs> you want to, t- to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> well, you know, I I love cooking. I do. And I, I have had success doing it. I, I'm a very good cook. But the stories, of course, that are the most fun are the ones where things don't turn out the way you want them to. Uh, with that particular story, I went in with the best of intentions, thinking that I was going to make, you know, this New Orleans-style flaming Cajun shrimp dish. And I was just ready. You know, I, I had my lighter. I had the pot sizzling in front of me. And for whatever reason those stupid shrimp would not catch on fire. It was the most frustrating thing I've ever been through. And I just, I sat there, I'm like, I had this lighter in my hand. I'm sloshing cognac into the dish, hoping that something will catch on fire. Finally, you know, my guy had to like wedge this thing out of my hands going, back away, just step away. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And I'll, I'll, I'll call out how she says, my guy. I like how all the, the male... The male figures in her stories are always the names are, are left aside, which is fine. We know who your guy is, obviously. Um, we'll, we'll save the names. So, sure. um, and But I, I love the characters <laughs> that you've created. Uh, there was the one in particular as well, the, um, the episode where you guys went to a casino and one of your exes <laughs> was the dealer. So she yes. shows up at the casino and she ends up with one of her exes as the dealer. And I, it was, what was his name? I forget his name. The jackass. The jackass. <laughs> right. How can you forget a name like that? Sal? I'm sorry. You I have don't... great code names. <laughs> yeah, I... well, he earned that one. <laughs> yeah, there was there was the jackass. Give us give us the rundown of some of the cast of characters because the names are just phenomenal. Right. There is the jackass. Obviously, uh, there is the pinball wizard, yes. uh, hmm. the warden. And uh, I have a new character that's going to be coming up. She is the crazy blonde. <laughs> oh, boy. Excellent. I think we know her. <laughs> the crazy blonde. She was actually the one who accompanied me in the episode where we uh, did that scavenger hunt with the pinball wizard. Ah, uh, that funny. one. I know which one you mean. Yes. Um, so let's talk about the podcast some more. How long have you been podcasting? I think you're up to episode 71-ish. 72? Yeah, so that puts me at about a year and a half-ish. Okay, and what was the inspiration for launching said podcast? I mean, being a writer and doing that, it, you wanted to broaden your horizons or just... Well, it was two things. Uh, for starters, I was just feeling frustrated as a writer because the way the publishing industry works right now is that it's it's incredibly hard. You know, it doesn't matter that I've already released one book. People just aren't reading the same way that they used to. Books aren't being published the way that they used to. So I was just, you know, creatively, I was feeling a little bit stifled. So, you know, my guy and I, we were sitting on the driveway, you know, having some cocktails. And we were listening to Bill Burr, who is my favorite comedian on the planet. (laughs) And his podcast was just so cool. You know, it's laid back. It's conversational. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, I can totally do that. (laughs) So, you know, it was just, I, I look at my guy and I said, you know what, let's give it a shot. And, you know, he had some gear that we could use and we just kind of, you know, went from there. Cool. Nice. Well, Excellent. and it's worked. It's worked out for you guys. You guys have had uh, some pretty good legions of loyal fans uh, behind you and, and um, you know, getting you guys some recognition. I know you still tour for your oh, book. Well, I wouldn't and other use things. the word legions. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you have a cocktail a on bit, your... A little bit. Did you have a cocktail on your very first podcast? I'm curious. When did that start? 
Uh, yeah, I did it on my first podcast just because I thought it would loosen me up a little bit. So uh, I was just drinking it throughout the episode. And as I kind of went along, you know, I'm just, I love bourbon. I love talking about it. I kind of liked the way that it, it lent itself to the, you know, conversational aspect of it, you know, and if you listen to the shows, you know, please don't listen to the first episode, but if you do, hmm. uh, you know, you'll hear that it's kind of rambling and crazy, but they develop as they go along. And I kind of developed this, you know, it's like, all right, we're, we're sitting down, we're having our drink and now we're going to tell stories. And it just, I think it flows really well. It, it takes a little while to get yourself going. I mean, even with us being honest with you, some of our earlier podcasts are, are atrocious. So well, sure, you want to set them on fire. I know. I know. Yeah, but you, but you know what? It's part of the learning experience. It's part of getting yourself out there, and and you you've definitely done a good job on that. You've turned it into something that, you know, you you really. I, I look forward to hearing the next podcast with you because I go, okay, it's really cool, and she's chill, and it's like, you're you're very conversational with the way you go about your interviews and and the way you uh, address your topics. Yeah, that well, that's what I want to do. That's thank you for saying that because that's that's been my goal all along is just to make it feel you know familiar. Uh, where did the interviews come into play, and who was your first interview? I uh, actually, you know what, that was my producer's idea. I uh, he thought that it might kind of um, bring in some new listeners, and it might be kind of a, a cool thing for me. So we initially just started talking to people who had written books. So my first interview was with Gary Wright, the musician. He sang that song Dreamweaver. Uh, he also wrote a book about his relationship with George Harrison of the Beatles. So that was kind of my first interview. And from there, we started targeting other authors. So after him came A.E. Hotchner, who was Ernest Hemingway's best friend. And that is hands down my favorite interview that, that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I mean, just talking to somebody who was, you know, best friends who, who went to Spain with Hemingway, who mm -hmm. went to bullfights with him, you know, who, who you know, oh. dedicate, who has a book dedicated to him by Hemingway. I mean, he was just... He's the man. So, uh, you know, it went from there. And then we just started expanding. You know, we started talking to musicians and actors and it just kind of it just became its own entity. What, what got you into film and, and what types of films and movies are you into? Well, when I was living in Los Angeles, I did a bunch of work in production. So I was a PA on a couple of different movie sets. I worked with a couple different directors just as a personal assistant. Uh, so I just I've always liked the process of making movies and I love the creativity of it. You know, it, it's all about storytelling in the end for me. So movies are just another way to do that. Of course. Yeah. Give us give us a quick like what are your top three movies of all time? Well, I think number one would have to be Midnight in Paris, the uh, Woody Allen movie. Mm. It's just, it's beautiful. It's set in the 20s and it's got, you know, Ernest Hemingway in it and Fitzgerald. Uh, but beyond that, I am a huge horror movie fan. I mean, just, I like the, the weird, you know, messed up horror movies, like the <laughs> 70s exploitation style ones. Um, so, you know, maybe the original Last House on the Left, mm. um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is another, the original one is great. Mm. Um, and then I think, and this is going to sound really weird after saying that, but I love the Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> we go from cut them up to, to a yeah. puppet. Get it from all angles, right? It's all about the creativity. <laughs> maybe, that's what, maybe that's what we're missing is a, a puppet cut them up movie. Oh, my God. Thrasher movie for, for Muppets. <laughs> the, yeah, the Muppet. That's it. Maybe, right? that's, maybe that's what we need to make. Get over here. Come on. It gives oh the Muppets God. take Manhattan a whole new meaning. 
That's terrifying. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll have to look. <laughs> Wait, you, you threw a smeagol in the middle of the Muppets. I, I threw a smeagol. No, Mr. Jar Jar Binks. Oh, boy. Sorry. That was the worst. <laughs> so on the interview front, if you could interview anyone living or passed away or in the past, who would you want to interview and why? I, I want to say that would be Jim Henson because he was he was such an innovator. He came up with something that is beloved by people. And what I love about the Muppets so much is that they're they're kind of like regular people. You know, they're they're wacky, they're crazy, they're snarky, a little mean sometimes. <laughs> it's the best combination. I mean, just and such heart at the same time. So the, just the legacy that he left behind, I would love to hear about his inspiration, you know, right from him. That's wow. awesome. That's actually the second time Jim Henson's been brought up on the show. Yes, yes. Because really? of, uh, we interviewed a filmmaker uh, that produced a film called The Lookouts. It was a short film called The Lookouts, and it was a fantasy film. And it brought back, they used real real puppetry in the film. It was a basilisk. A ba- oh, <laughs> he finally got the word right after like six months. <laughs> so practicing it. So I'm jumping in right there. It was a really cool creature. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was The Lookouts by Redgate Films, and it was a really cool short. It was based on a Penny Arcade novel but it brought you back to like i don't know if you familiar with those movies like the dark crystal and the never ending story those 80s fantasy movies and this movie is shot in a modern feel no no cgi that's why it made such a difference wow that takes a lot of work exactly well apparently him and his it's a husband and wife team and they spent um, a whole lot of time in the garage together building this puppet. Sure. Well, instead of telling the whole story, go check out the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the yeah. cinematography David, is David Bousquet is his name. He's, David yeah, It's one of our past episodes. Definitely. Correct. Exactly. So um, in terms of the podcast for you, talking, we, we've heard you interview Eric Roberts, which was phenomenal, by the way, because we also spoke to the Eyes of the Roshi guys. Um, which was pretty cool. So Great guys. I know. And, and so what was it like being able to chat with Eric Roberts on, on that and, and some of his past things? I know he was kind of a big deal for you. It, he was, and it was crazy. You know, I just going into interviews, you know, when you're talking to somebody that you've admired, whose work that you've watched, you know, for decades, it's, it's a little daunting at first, but then he's just such a nice guy, so open and friendly and everything. You just kind of roll with the conversation. But I'll tell you, the moment when I had to just like pause and pick my jaw off the floor when he was just when he did his character from Pope of Greenwich Village mm-hmm. and just did this like quick just impression of him. It was just so incredible to just know that I'm like talking to this guy and he's telling me his stories and he's telling me how he created this character. You know, it's moments like that where, you know, all the hard work and all the hours that you spend prepping for these interviews, that's that just makes it all worthwhile. Well, you could, in that during that interview, I could definitely hear the excitement in your voice. As you were interviewing him, you were just genuinely giddy, not not in a negative way, but giddy uh, talking to him. So it's, it's hard to contain sometimes. Sure. You, know, you, you hear that kind of talent and, you know, you, you feed off of it. I'd hate to see what whatever you would be like if you got John Stamos on your on your show. Oh, boy. <laughs> because, you know, hey. being that he was your teen pen pal, I mean, that would be oh, just crazy, yes. you know. Yes. My heartthrob. Your teen heartthrob on Teen Beat, Tiger Beat Magazine or whatever that was. Oh, yeah, it was it was Teen Beat Magazine, I think. And. Just getting that letter back from him, I swear to God, I have never had my day more made. It was just, was he, <laughs> you know, was, you, you little girl going, he, he wrote to me, you know, it, it means everything. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, those are great stories, and that's what's great about your show is all those all those great stories that you're sharing with everyone. How is it for you sharing so many personal stories, personal relationships, and things like that? Is it cathartic for you? Is it uh, therapy for you? You know, is it is it something that you just enjoy doing? Um, you know, because not a lot of people are that personal, right? I mean. True. And, and I don't blame them for it because it definitely takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there that way. I think it initially started off as therapy for me. I think my book kind of was, you know, I was trying to work out the details of a really messed up relationship. And I did a lot of that through writing the book. But now it's just fun. Well, Joe won't even let me share pictures of my food on Instagram. So, you know. <laughs> oh, come on. That's a whole other story. I, I have, I'm, I'm very non-food driven. And I, I'm the only one at the table who's non-food driven. Everybody here is a foodie. And I'm very much like, you know, food is to survive. And you, you, you do what you got to do. And he's posting pictures on the Instagram, on the uh, Heckler Kane Instagram. And you know what? If anybody's listening, hit us up on Twitter at, at, um, at uh, Heckler Kane. Heckler Kane Inc. And let us know whether you like food uh, pictures or not. I asked him to take it down. I'm like, take that down. Well, I did tweet a lovely picture of my breakfast this morning with my strawberry pancakes, and you know, it was lovely. Well, that's your own your own Twitter. Oh no, it was the Heckler Kane Twitter. Oh, oh I missed that one. Sorry, Juliet. We're putting you in the middle of our food fight. No, no, I, I understand. That was, was always fun important. in high school, so why not? Food fights. See, no. well, you're a solo. You're a solo host. You don't have this. You gotta, you know. In here, we have uh, four guys jockeying for. Position. We're, all look, we're all looking for airtime. That's all. <laughs> yeah, see, I can't compete. I have to have sole microphone rights. So there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so it looks like you have some projects coming up as well. You're going to be a featured character in the upcoming Snug Comics graphic novel, The Kindred, which is coming out in February. What is that? I have no <laughs> idea what that is. No, I, I'm curious to hear. Well, one of the artists read reached out to me a while back. Uh, it's going to be an adaptation of the 80s horror movie, The Kindred. So it's about a woman who inherits a home and finds out that the stuff that her you know, family left in the basement is a little bit more creepy than she anticipated. So he actually has an actress that he's modifying uh, as a character for the lead. And then I'm playing the small-town bourbon-drinking sheriff <laughs> uh, it's going to be, it's like a, a graphic novel. It's very cool. I've seen some of the sketches of it and it's, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the whole thing turns out. Cool. So the so bourbon nice. thing was added in, right? For you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm assuming. Especially <laughs> written for you. This is a moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, that was kind of the idea, you know, in addition to, you know, making the character look like me, he wanted to make sure that uh, she has more tricks in the South. Uh, it was sort of um, from the South, not exactly, but <laughs> uh, she says y'all a lot. She drinks bourbon. Uh, so, you know, it's identifiable as being me. Yeah, that's so nice. cool. So you'll be forever uh, immortalized, immortalized, immortalized yes, in the graphic yes. novel. Scratch that one off the bucket list. Absolutely. <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. So next up, I think you're appearing on the Joey Canyon show on Comcast Direct TV in the coming months. I don't know what the Joey Canyon show is. Do you guys? <laughs> nope. Is it a local? Is it a local show? Is it national? I'm sorry. I don't know. It's a national show. Okay. It's broadcast out of Colorado. He was actually a guest on my show um, in the late summer. He's a country music artist, and his show is kind of like a modern day variety show. He has bands on. He brings people in to talk about what they're doing. It's really cool. It's just it's it's a lot of fun. He flew me out there for a couple of days. 
uh, you know, got to hang out on set, see the band Exile perform, and then, you know, hang out and talk about the podcast. Hmm. Cool. That's nice. Very neat. That's great. And we know most recently your latest podcast was a best of for 2016. And if anybody hasn't checked you out yet, it's The Unwritable Rant. They can find you on Twitter at Morning Neurosis. And, you know, you've interviewed some greats. We mentioned Eric Roberts, but there's also Charlie Daniels, uh, Ed Begley Jr. Uh, the list goes on and on. Um, I, I know I had some of my favorites and we could probably talk about interviews all, you know, all night long here. Um, but, uh, I wanted to thank you for your time. I think it was amazing to have you on Juliet. You're part of the Potter family, which we're all part of. So we've appreciated your support for us and your guy who, who's behind the scenes chatting with me all the time. So, um, <laughs> Wanted to say thanks again and cheers. Well, cheers to you guys. Thanks cheers for having me on. Cheers. We Thank wish you. you future success for the new year. Getting bigger all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> thanks again, Juliet. This has been fun yeah, for us. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, you're very cool. Yeah, thanks I for joining it. us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you.